This episode is sponsored by Aquaphor, the number one dermatologist recommended brand for minor wound care and dry, cracked skin. With 30 years of patient experience and 24 safety and efficacy studies, Aquaphor Healing Ointment has been synonymous with improving skin health. You're listening to the Derms and Conditions Podcast. I'd like to welcome everyone to our Derms and Conditions Podcast. And today, get ready to moisturize your mind and heal your ailing wounds. Because I have with me Dr. Zoe Dralos, who is from Dermatology uh, Consultant Research and is a dermatology consultant at Duke University uh, in the dermatology department. And for those who who do not know, Zoe has a wealth of background and knowledge regarding skincare products, uh, products related to wound healing, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. So, Zoe, I have a couple of questions for you, some things I've thought about when seeing patients in the clinic. is We've heard so much about putting together good skincare formulations and what the constituents are uh, for patients, just general skincare, dry skin, and even for disease states like atopic dermatitis, rosacea, acne, uh, where either the disease state, the treatments that we use, or both can create some barrier impairments and we utilize skincare to counteract some of those problems. But is it different for formulations for wound healing? So if we do a shave biopsy or an excision and repair, or a patient has a wound where it's going to be healing by second intention, is there anything different about those types of formulations as opposed to the ones we use for general skincare? Absolutely. Wound healing is a very unique situation whereby you're missing the stratum corneum. And because the stratum corneum is missing, you no longer have have the barrier to penetration of irritants and allergens. So when you select a wound care product, that product needs to be very clear of any possible allergens. And what I'm specifically speaking about would be neomycin. You know, a lot of people have used triple antibiotic as a post-wound care item, thinking that the antibiotic might somehow prevent wound infection. And I think there's been a lot of work done to really demonstrate that topical antibiotics actually stay in the petrolatum vehicle and do not really disassociate from the vehicle and actually enter the wound. But what they do do is they sit on top of a wound devoid of a stratum corneum. So if there's any allergen in the wound healing product, this can cause allergic contact dermatitis. And that's exactly what we see with neomycin. And so the use of topical antibiotics, which has been very controversial in dermatology through the years, uh, seems to point towards the fact that topical antibiotics may not be the best choice to put in a newly created, especially a shave excision wound. Yeah, I know that times when a patient has had a, a shave biopsy, for example, a saucerization biopsy, and they call up uh, some days later and they say it's infected, the vast majority of time, because I always say, let's get the patient in, and we, we, if, if it's a surgery, we, we want to see it. And 
almost always, with very rare exception, it's a contact dermatitis Absolutely. because they've been putting on neomycin or bacitracin and it's not an infection. And you can kind of screen that over the phone by saying, is it red and very itchy? You know, you know that, that it's going to be a contact dermatitis and it is to those topical antibiotics, which are common allergens, as you said. Absolutely. But let's talk about some of the formulations. I know you've done some research uh, specifically uh, with Aquaphor for wound healing. And is there anything specific about that formulation or even in general other formulations that we recommend for wound healing that really stand out as being beneficial for managing healing wounds? Right. Well, the, the formulation in Aquaphor actually has been a time-tested formulation and it is petrolatum based. It does not have any topical antibiotics in it. One thing that many people have questioned is the presence of lanolin alcohol and lanolin alcohol should not be confused with lanolin. You know, lanolin is a raw material. Um, it basically is the sebaceous secretions of sheep. But lanolin alcohol is a purified ingredient. And the reason why it's put into a wound healing product is because the lanolin alcohol offers many natural ingredients that provide an environment ideal for fibroblast migration. Remember that the goal of wound healing is to complete re-epithelialization as quickly as possible. And so for re-epithelialization to occur, the fibroblast mesh has to be laid down and fibroblasts only migrate in a moist environment. So the goal of a wound healing ointment is really to speed fibroblast migration. And that's why a petrolatum and lanolin alcohol product works so well. To really get at the fact that lanolin alcohol is not an allergen, like we think of lanolin itself, we actually did a study with 500 subjects. These subjects had shave excisions done and were followed for 14 days after the shave excision to see if they developed any allergic contact dermatitis. And there were zero cases of allergic contact dermatitis in 500 consecutive surgical procedures that were performed where the stratum corneum was breached. So this study sort of provided some insight into the fact that indeed lanolin alcohol, which is a highly purified ingredient, does not have the allergens in it that are present in plain lanolin, which is the material that's used traditionally for patch testing. So uh, it sounds to me like that's something that people commonly confuse, the lanolin alcohol and the lanolin. I know a lot of times when you've talked about different ingredients and in formulations, for example, mineral oil uh, or coconut oil or whatever the case may be, you talk about the difference between industrial grade and pharmaceutical grade ingredients. Is, are any of those considerations present with the Aquaphor? Uh, yes, Aquaphor does contain mineral oil, but it contains cosmetic grade mineral oil. Remember that there are many ingredients that come from the petroleum industry and their petroleum distillates. And so if you have any tar or tar byproducts left in, in the product like mineral oil, uh, that indeed could cause problems. But there is industrial grade mineral oil. It's used as a lubricant in machinery and that should never be used in cosmetic products. Uh, cosmetic ingredients are pure. It's pure mineral oil. Mineral oil is a wonderful occlusive. And basically what it does is it, along with the petrolatum and the lanolin alcohol, cuts down on transepidermal water loss from the wound itself. So really a wound repair 
ointment per se isn't really technically preparing the wound. It isn't inducing healing, but what it does do is create an environment that's optimal for healing. So by reducing transepidermal water loss through the use of natural waxes, petrolatum, cosmetic grade mineral oil, and lanolin alcohol, which are the constituents of aquaphor, here you have a product that is uniquely designed to decrease transepidermal water loss and allow fibroblast migration. And that's really the goal of a, of a wound healing product. You know, I think it's good every once in a while. We have products that have been around for years and we, we sometimes forget, you know, what their constituents are. And as we develop uh, new information, we go back and look at them and say, oh, that's why this was in that formulation. And we, we, it, the information comes to light. So let's drill down further on some of the other studies that you've done. I, I know you've done uh, quite a bit, specifically in the area of wound healing, but if there are others that you think are really important for our listeners to understand, can you walk us through some of that research? Um, yes, I also did some research looking at the use of onion extracts, for example, uh, for the prevention of scarring. And so there are a lot of interesting theories about why scarring occurs, and one of them is the presence of oxidative damage that occurs. So many of the other wound healing products that are currently on the market um, specifically have the sepanines, which are the antioxidants present in onions. And also, onions also contain sulfur and sulfur is an anti-infective. So some of the other scar products do indeed provide anti-inflammatory and anti-infective properties, but they're accompanied by massage. So all of the post-wound healing scar products are massaged into the wound, and we do know that flexing and extending the fibroblast and the skin as it's healing in can reduce the formation of hypertrophic scars. So Jim, when you're thinking about wound healing, there are two phases, right? There's first the epithelialization phase, and, and that's where a product with petrolata mineral oil, cerise and wax is important because it prevents water loss. Now you've got re-epithelialization, you want the wound erythema to go away. You want to prevent hypertrophic scarring. And that's when you use a post-wound product that has antioxidants and anti-inflammatories. Another common ingredient found in wound healing products is bisabolol, which is a potent anti-inflammatory derived from chamomile, specifically from the flowers of chamomile. So some products are used in the epithelialization phase in medial after wounding, and some products are used to optimize healing. So when we talk about utilizing different formulations and think about aquaphor as an example, you know, we do shave or saucerization biopsies. How does wound healing in terms of what formulation you recommend differ, or maybe it doesn't, you know, but what, what do we have to consider when we have a superficial wound that's partial thickness versus let's say I, I do a fair amount of Mohs surgery and we're seeing more and more squamous cell carcinomas on the lower extremities in older patients where you really can't really suture it together. The area is too tense and it's going to dehiss and we heal by, we have them heal by second intention. What about utilizing a formulation on a full thickness open wound? Let's say it's a centimeter and a half or two centimeters in diameter. Would these apply in that situation? Would Aquaphor be beneficial in that situation? Yes, I really think, Jim, that you can use Aquaphor on any wound, even a wound that's sutured shut because nothing in the Aquaphor is actually biologically active. They're all inert. Uh, they do not get absorbed. 
uh, basically what they do is they sit in the wound crater itself. And one thing, especially on lower extremity wounds that are open and healing, there can be a lot of pain associated with those. And the pain occurs when the wound starts to develop a scab. Um, also, anything that touches the wound, for example, the bandage rubbing across the open wound crater can be quite painful. So a wound healing product like Aquaphor can also function to reduce friction between the bandage and the wound crater itself. It also can prevent the formation of a scab, which is not flexible, and it also can provide a protective barrier over the exposed nerve endings to help in pain control. So all of those are sort of ancillary benefits that you can get from a petrolatum-based wound healing product. Dr. Dralos, please hang tight. I'll get back to our conversation in a moment. Now I want to tell you about today's sponsor. Aquaphor is a proud supporter of the dermatology community and helping dermatologists achieve their therapeutic goals. So, uh, and one of the things I remember reading and I've actually seen in clinical practice, going back to what you were saying about a topical antibiotics such as bacitracin and neomycin, there seems to be a greater risk of allergic contact dermatitis on the lower extremities, especially if there is some stasis dermatitis or stasis changes. So even more in that anatomic region, you want to stay away from the topical antibiotics. Have you seen the same? Yes, it's interesting. I think especially in, in, in deep wounds that are healing, you get direct absorption of the allergen into the wound itself. And then you'll see a, a wide rim of erythema and possibly vesiculation extending beyond the edge of a wound. And to the casual observer, that looks like a staph infection. But to the dermatologist who's more astute, the reaction to neomycin can present as vesicles and bulla extending centimeters beyond the edge of the wound crater. What about the use of something that is that has petrolatum, like aquaphor, on the face? Uh, let's say as a diffuse a moisturizer product and someone that might be utilizing a topical retinoid or something else where they're getting irritation or even a more localized area where they have, let's say, a shave biopsy procedure. Are there concerns on the face? I know people talk about occlusive folliculitis and comedogenicity. Can you address some of those issues? Uh, yes. The ingredients that are present, uh, the petrolatum that's present is non-comedogenic. And aquaphor itself is non-comedogenic. And the reason is, is that the comedogenic substance found in petrolatum are the tar contaminants. And if you notice, aquaphor is clear and white, whereas if you buy a bottle of brand name Vaseline, you'll notice it has a yellow color to it. The yellow color is due to contaminants. So you really want to use the, the clearer a tar byproduct free, because remember, tar is a very potent comedogen. And so any of those, those contaminants uh, that are left in the petrolatum could indeed cause comedogenicity. You can use aquaphor in the face, it's, it's not a problem. But one thing I should mention is there is a spray aquaphor now that for facial moisturizer would be uh, a more appropriate product. So you can use the retinoid. Uh, maybe you're undergoing facial retinization with a very potent retinoid such as tazeratine. And you do need to smooth down the skin scale and to get yourself through those first four weeks of rapid retinization. So you can spray actually the aquaphor product on the hands, rub it together, and then put that on the face. I'm not sure I would spray directly into the face, but spraying onto the hand and then applying to the face. Um, that newer formulation, I think, is more appropriate for people who would like a thin film 
as a moisturizer, whereas the ointment itself is probably best for uh, wound healing purposes. Well, that's a, I think that's a good tip. Yeah, I've become familiar with this with the spray formulation. Oh, what about a patient that when you tell them to use a product and they go, what about an antibiotic? Because they believe they have to have an antibiotic because they have a wound. How do you address that with patients that are not at risk for, they don't have a high risk situation, they're not immunosuppressed or something that you might want to think about in an adjunctive antibiotic treatment? And I would be thinking oral in that situation, not topical if they really needed it. How do you handle that question with the patient who's like questioning does this, does Dr. Dreyless know what she's talking about? <laughs> you know, because she's not giving me an antibiotic. There are those patients. Right? right. If you have a patient who has had repeated MRSA infections, certainly an oral antibiotic would be most appropriate. Um, but the key here is, is that the topical antibiotic doesn't disassociate from the ointment and actually enter the wound. And so if the antibiotic is sitting on top of the wound, it's not anti-infective at all. And that's actually what happens. So if you have someone who really needs anti-infective treatment, you want to do it orally. But I think cleansing the wound is very, very important. You know, hygiene and soaps are so much better today that the wound infection rate has dramatically dropped. I would bet that most dermatologists have a wound infection rate below 1% in mentally competent patients who are able to properly cleanse. So I do think the wound does need to be irrigated. Uh, It does need to be flushed with water. Um, If the person is a carrier, steps need to be taken to prevent infection. But by and large, topical antibiotics that are sold over the counter for wound healing purposes are largely inactive. And so it's it's really the petrolatum that's promoting the wound healing, not the neomycin in a petrolatum vehicle. So Zoe, what about the cleanser that a patient should use? Let's say they've had a a shave biopsy on their face, on their leg, anywhere. How do you recommend they cleanse the wound before they're going to be applying uh, the wound healing product? Well, that's an excellent question, Jim. You know, a lot of people have thought that in order to prevent infection, you, you need to use something like isopropyl rubbing alcohol or hydrogen peroxide. I don't think that's necessary. I think a lot of those destroy the fiber network and actually slow down healing in a patient who's able to, to cleanse their wound and has good hygiene. Certainly, if you have a patient who's a MRSA carrier or who has had repeated strep infections, um, you know that person might need more aggressive uh, wound cleaning, but I'm not going to talk about that person. I'm going to talk about your basic shave excision that's clean. In those people, water irrigation of the wound may be all that's needed. Or if the person does have some tendencies towards infection and you feel more is necessary, I have them drop a few drops of liquid uh, dishwashing detergent, what you would hand wash your dishes with into a dishpan. Take a clean washcloth, put it into the dishpan, wet it, and then place that over the wound like a compress and use that to clean the wound, then flush the wound with plenty of water, and then apply the topical wound healing agent that's petrolatum-based. Now, the final step is to put the bandage on, the dressing. And I typically like the non-adherent type dressings with maybe paper tape or something around it, assuming it doesn't need a lot of pressure. Oh, what's your feeling? Now you've done the cleansing, you've put the thin layer of, of aquaphor on the wound, as an example. What about the next step? What do you have them put on top of that? 
Well, I try and stay away from adhesive bandages, especially if the wound needs to be cleansed daily, because that, especially in thin skin on the leg, for example, of a mature individual, actually the Band-Aid can cause additional wounds. So I usually fill the entire wound base with a petrolatum-based wound product. Then on top of that, I cut a piece of talfa and put that on top. And then on top of that, I'll put a couple of pieces of gauze. And then I like to wrap the extremity with Coban so that I don't use any tape at all. And so a lot of the Coban and the stockinette type of, of wound coverings I think are very helpful, but the Telfa sheet is extremely important over the wound healing ointment because that keeps the ointment from saturating the bandage. And it also keeps the wound healing ointment in the wound base to keep the base moist. Okay, what about on the face where you, you can't wrap it around their whole head? <laughs> no, <laughs> maybe, really maybe sometimes you would like to, <laughs> but you, you're not going to. Um, what do you recommend there as, as far as the tape to be used? Well, it depends. You know, sometimes I'll use stockinette over the head, you know, where you can buy those stockinettes, cut them and put that over the, over the head. Uh, but of course, many patients have smaller wounds where that might be a little bit of overkill since they might look like they just had brain surgery. So in that case, you know, a small Band-Aid, and I agree, paper tape is probably the least allergenic of all. And it does stick quite well. You know, when you sweat, moisture even allows the paper tape to stick better. So if it's a, a wound dressing that doesn't need to be changed twice daily, it's not exudative, I think paper tape, Telfa, um, and a little gauze on top are perfectly appropriate. I've also liked Hypofix, the tape Hypofix, I found to be very helpful. Well, Zoe, I want to thank you so much. I always learn so much from you, but, you know, I'm the type of person that has a lot to learn. I, and then we all do. So we learn from our colleagues. So I want to thank everyone for listening to today's Derms and Conditions podcast with Dr. Zoe Dralos. It was chock full of information that you could immediately use in your clinic. Be sure to listen to prior Derms and Conditions podcasts by going to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows. And also, please remember to give us your feedback. We do listen. Contact us at podcasts at fred.health. And one final message, stay happy and healthy. On behalf of Aquaphor, we thank you for joining this week's episode. Recommend Aquaphor Healing Ointment for post-procedure wounds and the treatment of dry, cracked, irritated skin.